And uh, just in case you're wondering if you, I don't know, it's, it's like even when we're, we're, as soon as I take the mic, it's like there's a quietness comes over and everyone kind of looks strange uh, up the front here. And uh, <laughs> that's, some people think we've got an accent. Well, thank you. <laughs> of course, we don't think we've got an accent. I've shaken hands with a whole lot of people that I think have got accents. And uh, that's both myself and my wife uh, from Australia, uh, born and raised in Australia. I was born in the city of Melbourne on the southern coast of Australia. And uh, my wife was born and raised in the outback, uh, right in the middle of Australia. Got absolutely nothing to do with the steakhouse either, just in case you're wondering. Praise God. (laughs) Hallelujah. Um, But God has called us, God called us out of Australia uh, early on. And, uh, but we left, uh, left Australia uh, in the early 1990s to go to Solomon Islands as missionaries. Uh, how many of you have heard of Guadalcanal? I have it on a map up there, but it's pretty well known, uh, Guadalcanal. We were there for a number of years and then went back to Australia, passed in Australia. And then Global Missions actually asked us to go to Papua New Guinea And we ended up there for nearly 10 years. And then in 2011, we went to Vanuatu. And that's not Vanuatu. That's one of Apple's photos. Praise God. But I will catch up later with a couple of photos uh, if it works out. But Vanuatu is 1,500 miles off the east coast of Australia. Uh, How many of you can picture in your mind where Australia is on a map? All right, on the left-hand side of that, there's a whole lot of ocean between here and Los Angeles. All right, 1,500 miles out from Australia across that gap is a bunch of islands, uh, 83 islands that make up the nation of Vanuatu. And Vanuatu was discovered by uh, the Spanish. It was a Portuguese explorer. And when he landed in Vanuatu, Uh, back in the early 1600s, he thought that he had found Australia. So uh, he called it the Great South Land of the Holy Spirit. And the first island he landed on, he called Espiritu Santo, which is Holy Spirit. And the next island he landed on, he called Pentecost. So we have an island called Holy Spirit and an island called Pentecost, praise God. And if we can't have revival, there's something wrong, praise God. (laughs) Hallelujah. So God is doing a good thing. Pentecost is actually uh, quite a, has been a a very stronghold of the devil. It's well known for being the origin of bungee jumping. Uh, That's where they dive off those man-built towers and they actually hit the ground as part of the rite of passage for young men. uh, That's what gave the idea behind bungee jumping. But I'm glad to tell you today that we have six licensed ministers and over 300 people in church on most Sundays across that island, praise God, baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. And God is doing great things uh, on the island of Pentecost, praise God. And uh, so we are excited about what God is doing. Praise God. You have an amazing church 8,000 miles from here on the other side of the world. Hallelujah. And uh, I'm going to flick through every, every photo uh, in the video. 
uh, every photo I'll show you in this PowerPoint once we get it flipped around properly. Uh, everything, they're all photos I've taken. Everything is firsthand. We are the ones that are blessed because we get to go there and see what God is doing. Uh, but I do want to say thank you because it is your prayers. Uh, if we get prayer right, everything else get, falls into place. Amen. It's your prayers. It's your fundraising. Your the youth that go on youth trips. Everything else that happens uh, that uh, is helping to spread this gospel uh, around the world. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let me flick through the first few slides and get to uh, where I would want to. Of course, this is the South Pacific, the countries that we have already been in. I'm not going to go slow on these because I've described it. You've seen it in the video. There is Vanuatu in relationship to Sydney, Australia. It's too far to swim. Uh, you're either, uh, it's, uh, but it is, it is a beautiful place. That's the islands I mentioned. That's the one we live on. There is Espiritu Santo. There is Pentecost. And with myself and the missions director in the middle, that is the six pastors around there. You'll notice in the photo, uh, not many of them are smiling. Uh, it is a real battle. Most of these have been kicked out of their homes. They've gone sometimes years in, uh, in danger of their lives from people that do not want to accept the gospel. These are real men. Uh, these are men that will sleep outside, be rejected, uh, and just dig out churches out of, uh, out of like almost impossible situations. They've had countless curses that they've had to fight. Uh, the ostracization of a family member in a Melanesian culture, which is the culture of the area, uh, is, is extreme. And uh, their whole sense of who they are comes with their family and who they belong to. And so these, these are champions. In my eyes, these are the guys uh, that are just, they're just, I, I, if I wore a hat, I'd take it off to them. And uh, so these are wonderful, uh, wonderful. But like I said, this is your story. This is where Sister Gratian was thanking the ladies uh, for appliances and for uh, Bible school funds. Bible school is the key in reaching the other nations. You have to train people. One past, one, one new saint came to me. He was an adult. He was excited. He'd just got baptized, just got filled with the Holy Ghost. And he said, Brother Gratian, I want to take this message back to my village. I said, what are you actually going to tell them? And he had no idea. So he went to Bible school. And, uh, and then he went back to his village and there's a church there today. And uh, so uh, these, uh, these uh, students are so valuable in the kingdom of God. And uh, many of them operate on partial or full scholarships that the ladies uh, provide here. Praise God. There's our Shoes for Christ, if you can see it. This, these photos are taken on the headquarters property. So this, this property was donated by a brother in Australia. Uh, he gave the money to buy it. It's a beautiful property. Uh, you can see more of it on our, on our website. We have a drone uh, video of it. Uh, but in case, when it gets to like minus 35 degrees out there and, there's, and, and I'm standing up here saying, help us get back to our mission field, there's more than one reason. 
it's uh, it's about seventy every day. <laughs> so no, but as you can see, God has blessed the church in Vanuatu with a beautiful place uh, to work out of, and uh, that is our Shizu Crow. That was the AYC team in 2018, and uh, we had 32 young people come, and they preached and witnessed and uh, did all sorts of things. Such a great blessing. I would like to. <clears throat> I would like to share a scripture with you this morning, uh, John chapter 10 and verse 10. Most of you be familiar with it. The Bible says that the thief comes but to steal and to kill and to destroy. Everyone say the thief. Everyone say steal, kill, destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Everywhere in humanity all over the world, from our next door neighbors to people 8,000 miles away, every, every person is somewhere in the range of having things either stolen from them by this devil or restored to them by Jesus. They can be at either end of the spectrum, but that's where everyone stands. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, the Apostle Paul <coughs> said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'll just turn around every now and then, not because I want to put my back to you, but I just want to make sure. Actually, baby, let me know if the slides aren't in sync. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Amen. For it is the power of God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation. Hallelujah. And uh, to everyone that believeth, to the Jews first and also to the Greek, there is something that Satan really, really, really wants to steal from each and every one of us, and that is our identity. Who God desires as humanity. Not only with his likeness and his image, which is what gives us the value in the kingdom of God, but Satan, you know, we can put it all sorts of ways. We can say Satan wants to steal our worship and he wants to steal our faith and he wants to steal this and that. And that is true. But ultimately, if you boil it all down and put it together, it's connected with our identity. There's a property or set of properties that make an identity or substance what it fundamentally is and which it has by necessity and without which it loses its, oh, I'll change that color later, it loses its identity. When there's things that are stolen away from people, they lose their identity. You and I as believers, part of our identity is the fact that we have the power of the Holy Ghost. You have the Holy Spirit, it goes with you everywhere you are. Hallelujah, where you go, it is there. Praise God. You have anointing. You have Jesus with you everywhere you go. The devil doesn't want us to know that. He can't defeat it. Hallelujah. But he doesn't want us to know. He doesn't want you to believe that when you invite somebody to church, they might actually come. He doesn't want you to believe that when you pray for somebody that is sick, they might actually get healed. Hallelujah. He wants us to just sit and just like try and become better and better disciples and better and better trophies on the wall, if you like, and better and better church people. No, there's a power and anointing that goes with us that goes beyond just developing myself as a Christian and an individual and goes into being able to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That power is is uh is amazing and uh if you just test it 
God will back you up. God will back you up. You, you test God in any way. He will back you up. When we uh, first went to the Solomon Islands, we were there for about 18 months and we left the main island and went to, which was Guadalcanal, and went to another island. Uh, we had a house that was being partially built hadn't been completely finished so what we didn't own it or anything but we'd agreed to rent it from one of the businessmen and he said I can finish it any way you like now this is a island house okay it's not not a American house okay so it's still pretty basic but he said I'll finish so I said what I want you to do because a lot of the houses are on on concrete poles I said just leave the bottom open leave it empty don't want any rooms down there nothing I said because we're going to start having church underneath the house we you know good place to have church so decided to start uh having church on the island of Malaita in the in the Solomon Islands and so we went and uh cut down some coconut trees uh and cut some stumps and put a plank across them for pews and uh that was it we were ready to have church well the very first uh man and there was only one that came to the first service uh, the very first man that came to church by the way on the left hand side that's me you probably figured that out but it's a few years ago <laughs> the first man to come to church uh, lived just down the road he was the head of the lands department in Malaita and uh, he came to church and he'd been searching all over the place unsuccessfully to find God he'd looked here he'd looked there he'd looked everywhere he was from an area called Ariari um, in the they're, they're famous for their pan piping he was the oldest son of a tribal chief and witch doctor witchcraft is very real uh, in these islands and he'd been raised to follow in his father's footsteps but there was something inside of David that knew that if there was great darkness, there must also be great light. And so he was searching, he was looking, and he'd been to all sorts of churches, all sorts of places. And so he wanders down our driveway and wanders into uh, our very first service, and he was the only one that showed up. He'd been searching, he had been looking. And so he was never satisfied, and it took brother david quite a while to receive the holy ghost because he was a very logical man he was he was he was a leader in the country but god did fill him and he was amongst one of the first graduates in our bible school i'm saying this to for a reason because by being raised uh <coughs> to follow in his father's footsteps his father had actually been buried at birth as a sacrifice to the ancestors and an auntie had come around and had dug his dad up. And so there was a lot of uh, superstition and a lot of things connected. And David already was following in that, in, that, uh, in that pathway. And so this is, we're talking about a village, a home place that people, witchcraft was very real 
The th it's not like they were just theorizing about it or knowing that it existed somewhere. But it was very real. David came to me after he got the Holy Ghost and he said, I want you, let's, can we go to my village? Now, his village was a nine-hour canoe ride around the coast, and a little outboard motor canoe around the coast, and then we had to walk inland. And uh, he said, I've got to tell my dad. Once he got the Holy Ghost, he said, I've got to tell my dad about this. So we tried to plan the trip three weeks before we left to go. Um, Brother David got news from his village uh, that his dad had fallen sick and was, they didn't know what had happened to him, but I, I know it was just an attack of the devil. But he had fallen sick and was lying on his bed. We got there, he was doing this for three weeks before we got there. Uh, three weeks he hadn't eaten he hadn't washed I mean I'm sure the family took care of him but uh, he was lying there on his bed the witch doctor in this whole area uh, one of the most powerful and uh, when we got there uh, to the village some of the brethren went and prayed uh, with brother David's father and I am happy to tell you that the very next morning brother David's father was the first one up he went down to the water to wash. He had something to eat. And he was the first one we baptized in Jesus' name in that village. The power, the power of the gospel, the power of the gospel. And so he stood ready, waiting to be baptized. Brother David returned after doing Bible school, went back to his village. This photo is a whole lot more recent. And nearly 20 years, just over 20 years later now, uh, Brother David was the presbyter for that whole area. In his village today stands a United Pentecostal Church, Oneness Apostolic, baptizing people. It's the main church in that whole village. Hallelujah. Why? Because God has gone. When we spread the gospel, when we tell somebody about Jesus, we don't have to be scared of if we if they reject us, it's not us. They're rejecting us. Jesus anyway. But we, we God will back us up. He will open doors if we will pr preach the gospel. They tried to stop every every force tried to stop the gospel reaching there. Uh, but you know what? If it's God's will, he will open the doors and makes the way. Hallelujah. The power of God. Sometimes things seem to go wrong. And in Vanuatu, we had a beautiful building. Uh, is that showing Maxwell? We had, we had a beautiful building that uh, was built by the church here in the United States. Some men had come over. They built this building. And then in 2015, we were using it. That's on our headquarters property again, using it for training, using it for church. Uh, it was being used nearly every day of the week. Uh, 2015, we had a cyclone or a hurricane, and that's all that was left of the building. But you know what? The difference, one of the differences between the devil and God is that God is a creator, and he can take bad stuff and make beautiful stuff out of it. And so sometimes things happen, and, and either the devil causes something, whatever, but sometimes things happen, and, uh, you know, even if it's not God's, wasn't God's perfect plan as such, don't want to get into the theology of all this, but, it, but you know what? God knows how to take bad stuff and make beautiful stuff out of it. Let's just leave it there. He is a creator. The devil cannot create. He can imitate at best. But he cannot create. Praise God. Well, the people in Vanuatu, when they saw their beautiful building all torn up and destroyed like that, uh, they kind of got a bit of a, 
they got a bit of fire underneath them about what was going on. And they said, you know what, we are going to do something about this. So without raising funds from overseas or very, very little funds put in uh, from our budget, they said, we are going to start to work. So they began to build and they got together and they began to put together a building and they said, you know what, the one that was there was too small anyway. And they started to joke about it. They said, God just cleared away the old building because it was too small. So they said, we're going to build a building and we're not going to put walls on it. And so they began to build this building. And if you look, there's the building as it stands today, down the bottom of the hill, you saw a short video of it there uh, in the clip, but you can see this is this is 2018 or 19, one of our conferences we have there now. Well over a thousand people now meet on that site several times a year for different kinds of meetings. What the devil thought for evil, God took it and you man built that there. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, you know, when you're when you when you look at a building that's just been destroyed and there's basically no money left in the budget, but you know, to build a building, definitely it's like, God, what are you going to do? What are you thinking? Where is this going? I'm glad that now, I, you know, you can't always look back for quite a while, but we can look back and we can say, thank you, Lord. There is a purpose. There is a reason. Something more wonderful came out of it at the end of the day. Praise God. It's like Hudson Taylor said, when I cannot read, when I cannot think, when I cannot even pray, I can trust. And trusting God is, is one of the most beautiful things that each and every one of us can do. You and I live in a very important time, in a very important time in history. What you and I do today, if Jesus doesn't return, the decisions that we make today will affect the course of events in the future. I know that because when missionaries went to Australia from the United States in 1954, my parents were some of the first people, the first dozen or so, to get baptized in Jesus' name. They found this truth before I was even born. And my parents are elderly now, and I try and call them as much as I can uh, because uh, I, I like to tell them. And, and uh, they, uh, like I said, they're both in their 80s. And they, they're just getting elderly, and they, but they just love the work of God. And I like to tell them, I said, I said Mom and Dad, I wish I was there for you. They, they, they know we're following God's will. They understand that. They're not, you know, I said, I wish I was there for you. I wish I, wish I could just be there. And, uh, but they, I always tell them, I said, you know what? Every soul that we baptize, God does. I said, really, it's part of your ministry too. It's what you've done because you gave your life to God and you're allowing us. You're allowing us to fulfill God's purpose. So the decisions that you and I make today, they'd been forward, they'd put up their hand, they'd prayed the sinner's prayer, but they were still hungry for God back in the 50s and the 60s. And they, they found this message. God found that hunger in their heart. And uh, the decisions you and I make today, who knows? Literally, we've seen, we've been blessed to, to observe God fill thousands upon thousands with the Holy Spirit and, and teach so many Bible studies and disciple people and, and run a Bible school. This year it will affect about 80 students around that country of Vanuatu. And, uh, <coughs> and uh, so, but it's all because of decisions somebody made. When you and I make a decision today, I'm going to do something for God. I'm going to reach my neighbor. I'm going to reach my workmates. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to just believe in the power of this gospel. When we make a decision today, you don't know who it's going to affect tomorrow. 
It's not about us. It's not about now. It's like the Apostle Paul said, I'm a debtor, both to the Greeks. You know, we, we read the scripture before, and this is the first, my wife will tell you, that's why we were late this morning. I was still finishing and praying and trying to get ready. This is the first time I've really used this. Uh, I just felt it for today, and I may use it a whole lot more in the future. Who knows? But, um, but Paul says, I'm a debtor. I'm a debtor. Before he talks about the power of the gospel, he said, I've got a debt for somebody. I'm in debt. And you know what that debt is, the way that word is used? It's like if Brother Bollinger gave me $100 and said, I want you to take that $100 and give it to Brother Blake, wherever he's at. Give it, give it to Brother Blake. While I hold that $100 in my hands, I'm in debt. I'm in debt, not to Brother Bollinger. Sometimes we think about this, and it's a true principle, as if we are in debt to God for everything he did. And of course... But the way Paul was writing here, when you, when, you, when you look at, pull it apart a little, he's using a phrase here that actually means he has received something that belongs to somebody else. In other words, you and I, he said, I've received salvation, but it's not my salvation and it doesn't belong to me. I've got to give it to somebody else. I've been given that $100, but until I give it to Brother Blake, I'm in debt to Brother Blake. I've got to get him that money. I owe him that money because it was passed to me as a third person. Hallelujah. And the gospel is the same. When we receive the mercy and the grace and the forgiveness and the salvation of anybody else out there, we have something that belongs to them. We have something that belongs to everybody. And God doesn't expect us to save them. We can't. We can't fill one person with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. We can't, but we can tell them about it. Hallelujah. And that's where my responsibility kind of, you know, we can leave it there for now. That's where it's, he said, I'm a, I'm a debtor. I'm a debtor. And he said, that's why I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God. Hallelujah. You and I have something that has power in it. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Can you say Amen. Hallelujah. And one thing the devil likes to steal is our identity as missionaries. We like to call people overseas or people that do home missions, we call them missionaries. Every single one of us is a missionary. If we are a Christian at all, we are a missionary A to Z, the whole hog. We are a missionary, praise God. Because Jesus is our example and he was the greatest missionary. Nobody left what he left. I might have left a few things, but I never left streets of gold. Amen? I never left perfect peace. I never left all those things to go anywhere. No, it's, it's He was our example. And when we leave the comfort of our home to go and walk next door and invite someone to church, or we leave the comfort of our, of our safe place and stand on a street and try and hand out invitations or whatever way we do it, or we go and do it a street drama or we go, whatever we do to reach somebody for Jesus, when we leave our comfort, leave our fear, our safety zones, when we leave those, you are following in the footsteps of Jesus and I can promise you he will never let you down. He will never let you down. Something will happen in your in yours, and you and you know this. I, I can tell your pastor is an evangelist, uh, exciting preacher. I can tell, but this is we are all missionaries together. We are all missionaries together, and we are blessed. We are so blessed to be able to uh, share the gospel. Share the gospel. It's like Sister Gratian said: the whole gospel to the whole world by the whole church. We are blessed because we happen to be in a place where people are hungry for God. 
when I lived in Australia as a youth, my prayer, my prayer was, God, lead me to someone that's hungry. Because if someone's not hungry, you can't feed them. The Bible says the full soul loathes even the honeycomb. You can't, if someone's, so, so don't beat yourself to death and, and beat your brains out and use all your energy and get discouraged when someone's not hungry. Say, God, lead me to someone that's hungry. When you find someone that's hungry for God, the gospel works every time. Every time. And we are blessed uh, to uh, be amongst people that are hungry. This is the general uh, setting of, uh, of, a, uh, of a village. Again, it's, an, it's a photo I took. Um, but we had a pastor one time talking about the hunger, talking about the power of God all those kind of things. We had a, a, a pastor that was, this was in Papua New Guinea, um, that was walking about three hours to get to another village to do Bible studies in that village. In that village, there was a lady who was uh, quite pregnant and she became paralyzed down one side and the baby stopped, move, stopped moving. So they, they knew something was seriously wrong. The brethren prayed for her, and the next day the baby was just playing football right inside her stomach, and she'd regained. The baby was kicking, and, and uh, everything was, she'd regained her movement. And so the woman's husband instantly gave his heart to God in the, uh, in the Bible study, and um, there was a, a couple of other miracles that happened, but long story short, that village said, we, they told that pastor, they said, we want to dedicate this village to God. But in the village, there is a lot of plants. The customs in Melanesian animistic culture, uh, the custom is that they will get a witch doctor to pray over plants or curse, put, put powers onto plants, whichever way you want to use the, the terminology. They will, and they will pay the witch doctor a lot of money. And those plants are all over the village and they'll be for protection, they'll be for fertility, they'll be for... Um, and so they said, we want you to go and get the missionary and uh, we're going to pray. And that's, that's when I started to learn what was going on. And so when we, we went with this pastor, there was me, my wife, an aim worker, uh, a couple of other brethren, and about five people from the village that gathered. Everyone else had run off into the bush and was kind of peeking out from behind trees because they were still afraid. I mean, they don't know what, what's going on and they're very, very afraid of uh, the uh, witch doctor. So uh, we went in. There's a total, maybe 10, 15 people. We went in. They got all the plants together uh, and uh, we just prayed a simple prayer and uh, burnt those plants and uh, everything else felt like I was in the book of Acts <laughs> and, uh, and uh, burned all those. Well, to get to the village, we had to walk a little way from the end of the trail. At the end of the trail, we had left our vehicle, the security guard vehicle there when we got back. And uh, so after we had done all of that, we went back to the vehicle. The security guy by the vehicle said to me, said, he said, it's crazy what has been happening. He said, people from other villages around about have been coming to me and they've been asking me who died in that village. They said, who died? And he said, nobody's died. They said, yes, somebody in that village has died. And he said, no, nobody, there's nothing special going on. Nobody has died in that village. 
And, and people came from several villages and were asking him. They said, no, something is going on in that village down in the valley. We want to know about it. What is going on? And he said, nobody's died. He said, why are you asking me? And he said, because he, they said, because we are hearing the screams of what sounds like thousands of people screaming and crying coming out of that village. And they said, now you tell us what's going on. He said, nobody's died. Nothing's going on. He said, there's just a, a missionary down there, a pastor down there, a few people, and they are praying uh, and dedicating that village to God. You can translate it any way you like, but this missionary really feels like that was God had opened their ears to hear the demonic forces as they were being driven out of that village. I tell you that to tell you this, if the power of God wasn't real, we'd be dead. Because if Satan was able to resist the name of Jesus and resist the blood of Jesus, he would do it and he would wipe every one of us out. That would be his pleasure. Uh, to do that but it doesn't matter whether it's one people or whether it's a hundred God doesn't save by one or by many God saves by the power of his name by the power of his blood hallelujah you have the power of God I we heard about it afterwards uh, but today oh, there's five villages around that village that now have oneness apostolic churches in them because of that that prayer meeting that happened right there praise God the power of God that you we don't realize sometimes we think oh it just just works maybe somewhere but no you have more power in your little finger if I could put it that way than the devil has in everything that he has praise God and uh, that power is not in you but it's in the name of Jesus and the power of the blood Satan wants to steal that identity from us that's what he wants to do. He wants us to feel like it's some kind of a battle. It's some kind of a trial. It's some kind. No, the biggest battle you and I are ever going to face is just with our own flesh. That's the battle that goes on. It's never a battle when you face the devil. Hallelujah. It's not. Uh, I'm not going to get distracted. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But it's never. That, that's not where the battle is. Where the devil has to flee at the name of Jesus. He has to back off. There's no question about it. We battle with our fear. We battle with our humanity. We battle that our pride might be hurt because we're made to look stupid. We battle with all that stuff. That's not the devil. He will use those things and try and strengthen them and encourage us to think that way. But let me tell you, when we step out in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, the Bible says, these signs shall follow them that believe. Amen. And uh, before that, though, it says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So if we really believe in the power of the gospel, we demonstrate it by sharing that with somebody. And then those signs will follow. Praise God. And God will work with us. Hallelujah. Like I said, people that live under witchcraft, people that live, they've had their identity as the image of God. Very marred, very stolen. Everyone, <coughs> every human being is exactly the same value to God. Amen. That's what that image is all about. I've preached this in numerous countries where we've worked and to help people understand, sometimes I'll have a very dirty $1 bill and I'll have a brand new $1 bill and I'll say it doesn't matter what they look like, it doesn't matter what they are, there's an image from the treasury on this that makes it worth exactly $1. The dirty, screwed up, looking like it should be walk away by itself if you put it down kind of dollar bill uh, it's worth a dollar it's worth a dollar and so when people uh, when when 
we see people that are bound by witchcraft and bound by different things they're still valuable in the eyes of God the value every human whether it's a drunk in the gutter somewhere everyone we are we're all the same in the eyes of God amen hallelujah and the good thing is sometimes uh, sometimes it's sometimes it's hard for us to realize it but when people are bound by satanic forces they know what it's like to live under fear and live in a in a kingdom of hate because that's what the devil is and when they come across love and they come across peace which is what Jesus is they realize that it's true it's not like this is fake this is unbelievable or you know why would I want to join a church it's got nothing to do with church it's just these people love Jesus Christ and it doesn't matter where we go when somebody is hungry for God these people will worship God for hours in the heat doesn't matter how hot it gets doesn't matter how much they're perspiring they'll worship God doesn't matter you know sometimes we've got to have it just right no I don't believe you're like that here otherwise you wouldn't be here in this kind of weather praise God but it doesn't matter if it's rained and it's mud we had a conference going on a national conference and it had been raining and with crowds like we have at those conferences uh, in different places we've nice got a nice place at our headquarters but at different places everyone's on the out everyone's just out under the stars and so it had been raining uh, all afternoon the ground was mud the evangelist said to me he said well I guess we're not going to have church I said well I don't know uh, and I really didn't know I said let's go down and check so four o'clock church was due to start at four o'clock four o'clock we drove down to the soccer field where we were going to have the service and uh, as we looked through those windscreen wipers that were struggling to keep the rain back the evangelist began to cry because as we looked out there was about I'm just guesstimating about 400 people already sitting out there in the rain just waiting for the church to start that's the kind of hunger that's why God just does all kinds of things for them because they'll walk for hours to get to church they don't care where the church service is people that come to conferences there most of the time they just sleep out at the side of the field they don't worry about food they'll go without food uh, they're there for one thing they know what it's like to live under a witch doctor and they know what the kingdom of darkness really has to offer it's not hidden in comfort or anything like that it's just right out there and then they know the love of Jesus these are the souls that's why I say we are the ones that are blessed because I get to meet them we get to worship with them. We get to preach with them. We get to, to be a part of their lives and see. But you know what? These are your saints. These people wouldn't be reached without what you're doing for the kingdom of God. When you come to church, and I know you support missions, and I know you, I've already talked to your pastor, I know you do faith promise and things like that. When you're doing it, it's, you are touching souls all over the world. You'll notice the mud these people worshiping and praying you'll notice the mud that is on their uh, on their hands it doesn't matter how old they are when you stop and think about a man like that that, that grew up in a remote village 
as electricity today and you think about the world that he is being introduced to and you think the power of God there's no limitations to what God can do there's no limitations to who God can save if God leads you to witness to somebody let me encourage you never let your human reasoning come into it never think that person's too far gone amen hallelujah because God can and God will it doesn't matter how young I get excited when I see young people and children receiving the Holy Ghost because they're going to change a whole generation they're changing a pathway for themselves and their kids and their grandkids and everything else praise God it is powerful but the devil wants to steal our identity as powerful witnesses for God He wants us to think, well, somebody else can do it or some other evangelist can do it or my pastor can do it. No, you and I, each and every one of us have the power of God. I could take any one of you or your Sunday school children, even somebody that maybe wasn't saved. I could take them like a child. I could take them and get them to stand up and quote Acts 2.38, Acts 4.12 maybe, maybe John 3.16 maybe a couple of other scriptures and you know what they could see hundreds get the Holy Ghost in some of these countries because it's not about the person it's the word of God but it's also the hunger of the people it's the hunger of the people and you experience that here thank you for letting this gospel get to people that are hungry thank you for letting it get there because without us working together it doesn't get there I'm going to share one last testimony uh, (coughs) this morning, if that's okay. I've got a a good friend of mine. Um, This is a a brother. Like I said, we work in all these nine countries. We lived in many of them for several years. But Brother Michael uh, is an uneducated man that came to God, and God called him to preach. God, uh, Brother Michael said, God, how can I preach when I can't even read? And that's a good question. And so Brother Michael thought this call is going to go away. He said, I can't. I I want to see people saved. I want to share the Bible. I want to preach, but I can't. How can I do it? And so he thought it would go away. It never went away. Eventually, Brother Michael said to God, he said, God, you haven't taken this off my heart. He said, I don't know what to do. So he said, I'm going to go without food and water no food until I either die or you teach me to read the Bible. Now, Brother Michael's a personal friend of mine and I have tested him every which way and I, I, I know this. Te- these are firsthand. This is not something somebody told somebody that told me. Brother Michael was near to death after 40 days. He'd been 40 days on that fast. He couldn't sit up. He couldn't roll over. He was literally, he was dying. When God spoke to him, and said get somebody to get you some food because I've answered your prayer I can promise you today this is what this is what hunger does this is what the desire for God does to really find out if God is real or not real and we don't recommend this method to anybody all right (laughs) if you need to learn to read there's plenty of courses online all right but he's hunger for God and this is just a sample of the kind of people that you are helping to hear the gospel he's he got up he got up brother Michael he cannot read brother Bernard's books he cannot read a newspaper you give him anything he can't read it but you give him of all things you give him a King James version of the Bible 
And from Genesis to Revelation, he can read that Bible to you and explain what it's talking about. And when he stands up, he started a church, got a great church today. He started a church. When he stands up to read the Bible, and all he does is open the Bible, read what God has laid on his heart, and... I've had him preach for me several times, and I've been in his church several times, but it is like electricity literally goes through that building. And it's not long as he begins to explain what God has laid on his heart before people are literally running to the altar and giving their lives to God. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you, the depths of God are unlimited. If we will take a little step... If we will just do something to something that we maybe haven't done before or something that we need to do again to help spread this gospel, to help spread the power of God's word, let me tell you, God will never let you down. Praise God. Let's stand together this morning.